Welcome to Sports Med Res's This Week in Review podcast, where we highlight the recent news in sports medicine research. We're here this week to discuss a recent study where the authors concluded that female athletes are underrepresented in the data used to inform concussion consensus and position papers. Here to discuss this study with us is the author of our post, Jane McDevitt. Hi, Jane. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Sure. I was wondering if you could get us started by kind of explaining what got you interested in this study and then what did they do and what did they find? So I'm always interested in reading up on position statements and articles evaluating the position statements and seeing obviously that the female representation is quite low. Uh, Just with the title, I wanted to know uh, to what extent because we use these position statements to dictate our clinical care and what we teach in the classroom. So if females aren't being represented, what we're teaching may not even work for females and what we're doing in our strategies may not even work for these female athletes. So uh, I was really interested. And I thought the authors of this article uh, did a really nice job explaining their, their method on how they chose the, the position statements that were included. So they did actually a systematic search And they found three primary position statements, consensus statements. So the International Conference on Concussion and Sport, the National Athletic Training Concussion Position Statement, and then the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine Concussion Position Statement. And they picked these three because they were the most heavily cited, and they also provided data regarding sex inclusion. Great. And then I think it was interesting. I think one of the results that you reported was that almost 80% of the participants were male, or at least the majority of the studies were predominantly looking at studies related to males. And that I think you had only two papers that were actually only females. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, Overall, um, the NATA had 80% male the ICCS had 88% male, and then the uh, AMSSM had 79% male. Only two annu- uh, manuscripts were female only. 69% or 40% of the manuscripts were in an all-male sa- uh, in an all-male sample. Less than 1% of the articles were of a all-female population. Does that surprise you a bit? Because I feel like when we look at other areas of sports medicine where females are often more likely in the same sport to have the injury, that a lot of times what we see are studies of um, risk factors for men and women to kind of see what's the difference between the sexes. Or there's more studies that seem to be focused just on the females because potentially they may be the easier group to recruit. Um, So does it surprise you a little bit that within the concussion literature, this is where we're at? No, actually. And it's something that I talk about, you know, with within my research team is that, you know, some of the some of the research that I think we are doing and and I think is important is because we are trying to keep things more 50 50 or recruit more female athletes. Um, If you look at the concussion research and even just a bulk of that early on, uh, research. So this was in a span of, I think, 18 years. So this was a large span that they went back to 
in regards to uh, finding the concussion position statements and then the span of articles that were in these position statements and were cited in these position statements, you know, can date back into the 1990s. So when you look at some of these traditional kind of concussion settings, it's football, uh, rugby, ice hockey. And many of those uh, populations were an all male. They didn't, uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of any all female rugby or all female ice hockey uh, or any female football uh, was ever performed. So it doesn't actually surprise me. And it kind of in, in hindsight kind of kicked me a little, kicked me in the butt a little bit by being like, of course, these concussion position statements would be a little bit more cited because the other thing is that, you know, football, rugby, ice hockey, these are larger teams. You know, it's not like, you know, the female soccer, soccer team is going to have nearly as many participants, therefore nearly as many concussions as a football team of 100, 150 players. Yeah, that's a great point. And it also, I guess, raises concerns too, that besides this being a gender or sex bias, is it also a sport bias? So even among males who may be from underrepresented sports, could we actually be making recommendations about that might not apply to sports with less concussions? Sure, because, you know, in our concussion assessment, you know, uh, we have that multifaceted approach, you know, vestibular ocular, reaction time, neurocognitive, and each sport kind of does have a different level of needing that neuromuscular control, needing that reaction time, needing that forward uh, memory or, um, you know, initial cognition uh, to be able to play. So I feel like there, there could be a, a sport biased in terms of why are we performing the different tests that we're performing? So recognizing the limitations of the current consensus statement and the literature, what do we do to ensure that internally the protocols that we're developing at our institutions are the appropriate protocols for each of our athletes? So I do think adding in some different patient reported outcome measures and looking at overall quality of life, um, looking at their pre-morbid conditions, for example, if they did come in with migraine or having anxiety or depression, taking obviously a more individualized approach, and then looking at their signs and symptoms and their problems functionally, just like you would with any other musculoskeletal assessment could be helpful and maybe thinking outside the box a little bit in, uh, instead of, and I'm not downplaying these assessments, uh, I use them all the time, but maybe it isn't just doing impact, BESS and VOMS is the ticket. You know, maybe we need more dynamic tests like doing uh, tandem gate and doing tandem gate differently, maybe doing tandem gate forward and backwards. We don't know because we haven't done it, but I think asking the patient, doing a full history, looking at their pre-morbid conditions and um, looking at their functional problems and uh, looking at their goals for the concussion rehab strategy is the maybe more of an approach rather than this is the protocol that we will use on every single one because we're we're taught in class how many times don't treat everybody by the book, right? And so we do have these protocols to help with our care and to dictate our care. But I think this really highlights the fact that we've been not thinking outside the box and not using all of our different strategies and assessments to benefit our patients that are suffering with a concussion. Yeah, that's a great point that even 
for a football player who has a concussion, it's not like we say, here's the textbook and what we're going to do. You know, we, we're going to follow the consensus statement word by word. It's adapting it to the individual patient that's in front of us. And this is just more of a highlight that we need to do that. And we probably also need to explain to the patient where they fit into things um, and that they may hear people say, oh, this is what you can expect, but recognize where that data is coming from. And it leads you to wonder, too, what are the other biases that are potentially trickling into the literature regarding so socioeconomic status, um, geo other demographic features and characteristics, things like that. Um, so it's a great reminder that you have there for look at the patient in front of you. And I think this kind of shouts back to um, what IJATT and the Journal of Athletic Training and the McEwens have been kind of advocating for of this would be a great opportunity for clinicians to say, this is what we're doing and this is how it's working. Right. Absolutely. Because the, uh, the problem and unless more funding is going towards these different populations, you know, non-binary, trans, females, lower uh, socioeconomic status, uh, or including more diverse uh, patients. It's, it's going to be a waiting game and the, and, we can't just wait around for this research to be done to see how how do the females react to these different tests and how do females react to the, these different concussion management strategies and techniques. You know, I'd love to hear from clinicians on what is your actual protocol and how does it change from patient to patient? Yeah, and that's a great point. I think we've been chatting more and more um, as a community about the fact that research is often a step behind and takes time to develop the evidence, whereas sometimes we need to make decisions now based on our best clinical experience and our best judgment. Right. Um, and then it's great to have our electronic medical records or other data to kind of say like, okay, that worked and that didn't work with this person. As we wrap up, is there anything else that you think listeners should take away from this paper? Yeah, I think, you know, looking at, I think just kind of some food for thought of you know, utilizing only concussion, uh, only position statements as what's dictating and updating your practice, I think can be, could be limiting, right? So, you know, finding other additional uh, position statements, because there were actually some fairly big differences between uh, even just how they approached to um, including articles in their, in their different position statements like some formed the subcommittees and did like mini systematic review where others used the, like the NATA answers it using the sort scale, but doesn't have a systematic approach to what articles were included. So, and then looking at conferences and more clinical driven uh, data to kind of aid their clinical decision-making and outside of the realm of position statements. That's perfect. It's always good to do a quick search and see what you might be able to find for your specific patient's population and see what we know. And then, I mean, we also can't dismiss the idea of when in doubt, you can always reach out to some of those authors in the concussion space and get pick their brains on what to do. I think um, we often forget that a lot of researchers are often eager to talk about what they're doing and how to modify things based on the real world. Right. Thanks, Jane, for joining us today. Thank you again for having me.
And if you're an athletic trainer who's looking for evidence-based practice CEUs, then please check out our nine online evidence-based practice courses available through the Human Kinetics website. We'll have links to our summaries and the courses on our website and in the show notes. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll be back next week with more sports medicine research. Until then, have a fun one.